And you may wonder sometimes why I'm going to share what I'm going to share, why we talk a lot about values. And the reality and the truth of the matter, that matter is because when people get saved, we need to disciple them. The Bible says in Matthew 28, when you go into all the world and make disciples, we need to disciple people into the values of the kingdom. This isn't the values of Josh, Jen. This is the values of the kingdom. Because as we disciple people into the values of the kingdom, they begin to look like Jesus, they begin to reflect Jesus, and by their love for one another, the world will know them. So it's very important that we know why. And I think Andrew did an incredible job of, of cutting our hearts, actually, and why. Why, we, why it's important for us. But then after the why, we need to understand how. How do we do these things? Because it does, where the rubber hits the road in our one-to-one con- con- conversations, in our community conversations, we need to understand how we do these things and how it actually works out. Um, and the scripture that I want to maybe lay as a, as a firm foundation for us this morning is Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. I'm going to read that passage for us, and then we're going to go from there. Um, but before I do that, you can put it up in the meantime. That's one of the things I said I, I, I pushed that men's camp again in announcements because it's something, if we don't build relationship together and we're not in community together, if we're not part of each other's lives, we can't actually put this into practice. And those are tools and vehicles for us to be able to build relationships. And that's why they're actually very important. We need to value them extremely highly. Lisa brought a word uh, in, the, in, the, in the prayer time this morning. The, a phrase that stood out for me in a word was she felt like God was piercing, uh, you can call it a stronghold, from heaven. And something we've been trying to pierce from earth, but God was actually doing it from heaven. And that for me is a beautiful picture as we, because it's through his church, he makes his manifold wisdom known to principalities and rulers in high and dark places. It's through his church that he does it. And as we come together, as we live this out, as we do this together, he does it from heaven. And I was just thinking to myself, that's actually beautiful confirmation for me, a beautiful confirmation of actually what I want to share. Because we get this right, we do this in love, understand it, God does the work. Christ formed in us, it's the hope of glory. We get transformed, they get added. Does it make sense? Right. So let's read the scripture. It's the NIV, yeah, you've got the NIV, so I'm just going to read from you. So Christ himself, we all know the scripture very well. If you don't know the scripture by now, I don't know what you've been doing. So Christ himself gives the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. So we know that gives these gifts to make us look like Christ. Now, Andrew hit that hard. There's the fullness of Christ, actually. When you look at us, you should see Christ. You should see Jesus. There's something of us reflecting Him and coming into the fullness of Him, and this is how we come into the fullness of Him. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth between, by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. Instead, he has what I want to focus on this morning. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. 
speaking the truth in love. So that, so that we will become a mature reflection of Christ. From him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's what I want to maybe just, I want to entitle my message this morning to, is speaking the truth in love. We all know this, and we've heard it before, but it's a value in us that we need to massage, we need to tweak, we need to remind of, and we need to understand and learn how to do it. How do we speak to one another in love? How do we allow ourselves to be sharpened and sharpen one another? Because this is so important, guys. We've got to get this. We have to understand that each saint embraces that mandate to teach and to be taught. We've all got to teach, we've all got to disciple, and we've all got to be discipled. Make sense? So why, some of the reasons maybe that we don't do this, and I'm talking, and I'm going to talk about, and I want to give us some scriptures of the importance of doing it. Let me maybe do that first. Matthew 18. It says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So there we go. We have it. Scripture's telling us that he commands us. We need to observe and do what he's commanded us to do. So having a posture of being taught and be led. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 to 17 says this. All scriptures breathed out by God, profitable for the teaching for the reproof and for the correction and for the training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Teaching and reproving. This is the Word of God, but the Word of God also gets spoken through people. As we allow the Holy Spirit to use us and we speak truth, God speaks through people. To Ephesians 25, or 4 verse 25 says, Therefore, have, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Speak the truth with his neighbor. Speak the truth with your brother, with your sister, with those that the Lord has put you together with, because we belong to one another. And I'm going to look just now what the truth is and how that looks. I'm just wanting to give you guys a, a scriptural theology for what I'm going to talk about, because you need to lay that foundation so we can build upon that. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. Love that scripture. Guys, know that scripture. We all like to quote this scripture, right? But we don't like to be sharpened by iron. <laughs> we love quoting it, but we don't like to get sharpened, right? Proverbs 19.20. Get advice and instruction so that you will be wise. Get advice and instruction so that you'll be wise. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. It's an, that's a great an interesting scripture that. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And that means that sometimes when a friend speaks into your life and when we receive correction from it, it's actually painful. It is, it's, in a sense, it wounds us. But faithful are those wounds because they actually make us look more like him. Actually, those are things that shape us into his likeness. And we haven't been called to be peace uh, peacekeepers, guys. Peace comes at a price. Comes, sometimes comes with a bit of conflict, comes with a bit of speaking, comes with a bit of fighting, comes with a sword, actually. Comes with a bit of blood. 
We've been called to be peacemakers. And I also I want to encourage you guys to listen to that. That second, well, I want all of the messages from the 412 conference, but the second one that Andrew um, spoke about was dying to yourself, the flesh being dying. And he used the scripture in Matthew 10, 34, I think it is, where um, I've not come to bring peace, but a sword actually to separate mother, father, you know that scripture. And it's almost like the picture of having the sword of truth. It does bring, it does bring pain sometimes, but it needs to pierce. Because that's the sword that cuts the flesh away. That's the sword that kills the flesh. And then when the flesh is dead, we begin to look more like him. That which is sown imperishable is raised glorified. Makes sense. These scriptures begin to weave, like when they get woven together, now I begin to paint this picture. Like, okay, hang on a second. So, how? How do we do it? How do we speak to one another in love? How do we bring correction to one another? There's a story that I tell that was actually a watershed moment in my life. And you know what a watershed moment is? It's a defining moment in your life that will change the complete trajectory of your life. And the reason, actually, I hadn't had it, didn't have it in my notes, but I felt I want to share that story is because one of the people that were in that meeting with me that changed the direction of my life is sitting in this meeting here today. <laughs> that man. Rudolf. Sorry, bro. <laughs> I was just sitting in worship, and I just remembered the story. And I was like, that was a moment in my life that he brought correction to me, actually. That's changed that I'm standing here today probably because of words that he said. He probably doesn't even, I don't even know if you remember the story. He has no idea. <laughs> so we've been, by the way, we've been friends for a long time. How long have we been friends? Ten years? Ten years? About ten years? And uh, we were friends from Mossel Bay. He moved down to Mossel Bay, and we... Uh, uh, he actually, you, you were first in my community, then you led a community, planted out, didn't you lead? Didn't you lead out? I thought you led a community. <laughs> anyway, anyway, but he was a dear friend of mine. He was like, he was a close friend. And the story goes like this, is um, I really, really wanted a boat, okay? And this incredible opportunity came by to buy a boat that I just almost couldn't turn down. But Margot didn't feel peace about it, and at that time in my life, uh, it, it, was, it was definitely an idol in my life, okay, wanting a boat. I fish, I love fishing, I love being on the ocean, and um, it was big, a big thing for me, and I was wrestling with her, and she was being a good wife, and said, well, if you want to get it, but I don't think this is of the Lord. We, pre we preach this, why don't you practice this? Submit it to some of your friends. So I said, yeah, you're right. That's what the word of Lord says, the word of God says. Okay, let's do it. That night, it was a Friday evening, I think, um, Rulof and another friend of ours by the name of Yaku came over and we were playing Settlers of Catan. We were in the, remember, we just moved into the house. We were downstairs sitting in the fireplace, sitting in the bottom. And uh, Margot presented a story or her case, her case to Rulof and Yaku and said, well, guys, was an elder at the time? No, I don't think I was an elder at the time. I said, guys, this is the situation. What do you guys see and what do you think? What do you feel? And they both, like, you know, and it, like, it was almost like it was pre-organized. <laughs> they both looked at me at the same time, and they, like, they kind of gave me a little bit of a nod and said, Ross, I think this is an idol. 
And I had to let go. I could have justified my mo- myself in the moment. I could have argued my case. I could have, and I probably would have beaten him at it because I was, <laughs> I was well positioned. I was like, I was strong. What do, you, what do you want to say? It was one of those moments where you just love your husband's friends. Because I've been <laughs> saying to him, Ross, you are on Gumtree and Facebook Marketplace so much. This is an idol. And he's like, no, it's not an idol. He could not see it. And they're like, you are on Gumtree way too much, Ross. And, <laughs> and they just cut with that sword straight into my heart. But in that moment, I could have defended myself. I could have justified myself. But I knew that I had to submit myself to the process of what God was doing. I had to submit myself to the Word of God and to allow it to be active in me. I didn't feel like it. I didn't want it because everything in me wanted this boat. And uh, I rolled over. I said, well, I can't see it. But if you guys say it, I will trust you. I'll believe you. you remember, do you remember that, that conversation? Now he remembers it, yeah. And it was the end. We carried on playing set as a Catan, and it was fun, and had like an evening or whatever. And I woke up that evening. I felt like the Lord woke me, and he said this to me. He said, Ross, <laughs> you don't understand what just happened. The seemingly small decision that you've just made, the seemingly small moment that was just had in your life was a watershed moment in your life. If you had gone the other direction, you would actually not walk in what I have for you. I was like, jeez. I mean, you, you can take theology and try to bend around that, whatever. But the Lord, I felt like him spe- speaking to my heart, into my very spirit, saying that to me, saying, Ross, and showing me almost that what would have happened if I had gone with the boat. And I was like, oh my goodness. And there's a moment there, by, first of all, putting this into practice, surrendering myself to this, the moment, allowing them to speak in, and them having the courage to speak the truth, not, they could have easily sided with me because they would have benefited. I mean, let's be honest, you would have benefited. We were good mates. and it was a nice boat. <laughs> I mean, you could sleep on the boat. It was, it, was a, it was a proper boat. And they would have benefited massively. It was like a mini motor yacht. I mean, the thing that, that you could sleep four people in at a bathroom in it, at a kitchen, like it had a bra in the back. It was... <laughs> But they said, no, Ross, this is, this is the truth. <laughs> no, no, that's right. No, check mark. <laughs> and I, by allowing the Lord to work in that moment, he shaped me. I allowed him to form himself in me. And the fullness wasn't there in the moment, but an aspect of him was shaped into me in that moment. And that is the importance, I think, of these moments, of allowing these moments in our lives. First of all, allowing these moments in our lives. And secondly, having the courage to actually do them and have them with people. Because no one likes to speak to people, right? And that was easier for them because I had opened it up to them. I'd put it on the table. I'd kind of said to them, okay, guys, talk. But if, they hadn't, if I hadn't done that and it was an obvious issue in my life and they hadn't spoken into my life, they would actually be held to responsible in many ways because as one part suffers we all suffer and we, we belong to one another we're a body there's there's something of my inheritance is tied with his it's this mystery of oneness 
We don't get that. It's like we don't, we have a responsibility actually to speak to one another and to help correct each other, to help look each other, make each other look more like Jesus. So, how? Just do it. <laughs> one of my friends says that he was sharing a very similar, well, very similar thing, and he's like, the first point on this is just do it. Because that is the thing. If we don't do it, if we don't actually do it, we never, like nothing else in this whole preach is going to apply to us. Like none of the other points of how to do it is going to help. We actually have to step out in boldness and do it. So, we need to do this prayerfully. When we speak into people's lives and love, we speak truth, we need to do this very prayerfully. We need to consider these things before the Lord and let Him lead us in these things. Very, it's very key. I would say it's the most important thing. The first thing you do, if you see something, if you see somebody in somebody's life that you feel is not reflecting Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm very careful in what I say now because this, I'm not giving you a license to go with, take, like, with sword and go like this. Because like you can hurt. The sword hurts. It's dangerous. But in the spirit, we need to, it needs to be like a scalpel. It needs to cut to the heart. It needs to do things that he wants to do. So it's got to be in the spirit. If you're doing it out of the spirit, you're in sin, actually. You're doing it, probably doing it out of the flesh. You're doing it out of hurt, offense, and you're going to do more damage. You're not going to build up the body. Like it says, it's used for the building up and the edification of the body. You're not going to be doing that. You're actually going to be breaking down. So woe be to you. Be careful. But don't let this prevent you from doing it. Because there's love and grace for one another. And as we walk and we move in this thing together, we'll figure a way through it. But we've got to be doing it. All right. Good. Prayerfully. Number three. We've got to do it humbly. When you present something to people, when you present something, an issue in their life, or what might be an idol or an area in their life that does not reflect Jesus, when you present it to them, make sure you do it humbly. The scripture says, take the beam out your own eye before you take the sprint out your brother's eye. And we love to hide behind that scripture, not to speak. But actually, we do need to talk. We do. We need to be taking the splinters out of each other's eyes too. We need to make sure the beam is taken out of our own eyes, but we do need to be taking the splinters out of each other's eyes. So we need to do this humbly. Galatians 6 verses 1 to see, one to 2. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore the person gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted Carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So they said, but watch yourself. Watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. So be humble in the way you present these things. Be very, very careful. Number four is patiently and gently. When we speak to people, we need to be patient, and we need to be very, very gentle. Very, very gentle. And the same scripture applies to that. It's in that scripture, Galatians 6 verses 1 to 2, it says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you live by the Spirit, should restore them gently. 
gently. Thessalonians 5 verse 14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. So it's admonish the idle, which means correct them. Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, because we are the areas of us that are weak in the spirit, but be patient with them all. Remember, every single one of these points needs to be done in love. Every single, like love is the blanket that covers all of this. Watch, we need to watch our tone, and we, never, we also need to be very careful of saying, you, need, you should do this, we need to command people. We can't command people to do things. We present these things to them humbly. We don't tell people, you, need to do, you should do this. No, we, we gently say, hey, have you considered maybe? Watch the way you speak. Watch your tone. I think some, sometimes some people need to speak and some people need to learn when to speak. So some people need to learn to speak and some people need to learn to speak less sometimes. But there's both. And, and there's love and grace that covers this thing. So we, hey man, I'm not upset or offended or anything with you. We're figuring this out together. I want to, in that patience, those, those points that I just made now about doing it patiently and gently, humbly, I just want to say this to you. Never, ever speak to somebody out of frustration. Never. Never. You don't respond, and, and I make this mistake, but I try to do this all the time. If, if there's something in my heart that's irking me, if there's something in me that... I cannot respond in the moment because I know I'm not responding in the spirit. Like, I just know because it's not out of love that I'm responding. And, and love is a fruit of the spirit. So if I'm not responding out of love, what am I responding out of? Frustration and flesh. So I've got to take, in a moment, if something happens, I often I will take a step back and I won't correct. And there will be moments where I correct in a moment because it hasn't affected me. It hasn't cut me to the heart. But if something irks me, it offends me. I'll take a step back. I'm not going to quickly reply on a WhatsApp message. I'm not going to quickly correct somebody on a group or something like that. I'm not going to go and say to some, speak to somebody like, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to go, Lord, how am I going to help this person reflect you better? First, Lord, come change my heart because I need to be loved. I need to get to the point where I'm actually wanting to restore them to your image, not correct them because it hurt me. Or affected me. Because the problem, the danger is we can often speak out of our own hurt and our own offense. Often. Like we've got to be very, very, very careful in those things. Um, you want to share that story quickly? Come quickly share that story. So Margaret got a testimony just about this very thing in her own life and she actually did more damage and good. Um. Yeah, years ago, um, we were in Marcel Bay in a congregation there, and I got offended with somebody in the church. So the offense, I didn't really deal with my heart. It just, it was something small. But with all offenses, if you don't deal with it, it's going to start growing. It's like a weed. 
So she would do something else that would offend me. And, and eventually I didn't believe the best of her. So as she does something, I would believe the worst. And at one point I decided, well, I can't talk to anyone else about it because scripture says don't talk to anyone else, go to the person. So I decided I have to go correct her. I've got to go speak to her. And it didn't go down very well. In fact, I did more damage to our relationship. And it took me a while to actually realize I was the one that was wrong. Like I thought I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to speak to her about certain things that I feel she's done that's wrong. But actually, I spoke out of a place of hurt and offense. My heart was fraught. It wasn't good. And through that whole process, I've realized, like exactly what Ross says, when you do it, it's got to be out of a place of love, not because you're offended or hurt with the person. So it's not like now, okay, every time somebody does something that hurts you or offends you, you have to go correct them. No, you've got to deal with your own heart. You've got to actually be unoffendable, like um, Andrew was saying at the gathering, and be like, I'm dead, whatever they do, and actually believe the best of them. So when you feel in the spirit you need to go and correct, it's got to come from a place of like, I'm not hurt, I'm not offended, I actually love this person, and what I see in their lives, if I don't speak, like, I'm actually doing them, a di- like, I'm not helping them, yeah, so that was my story. That's good. So we've got to do these things in the Spirit. Like, that picture can cause, actually bring disunity and destruction instead of build up. Um, so we've got to be so careful. We've got, to, we've got to, in a sense, we've got to tend the gardens of our own hearts. We've got to guard our own hearts in these things and make sure that what comes out of us, what, what flows from us is life and love and builds up. Any good correction that comes from the Lord may hurt, but you'll still feel like you've been built up in it. You'll, you'll come away actually feeling, yes, there's something, in, something deep inside you, something in you, your spirit's going, that's actually right. You can, your voice can be quite loud, and you can tell the spirit it's not right. I've, there are moments where that happens as well, where it's not comfortable and you can't see it, like in that moment. In that moment with them, with a, with a boat, Everything in me was going, they're wrong. I couldn't see it. But something in me, just somewhere knew, just knew that actually even if I just put into principle the good practice of this thing, God will bless me actually. Because there's a principle behind this. Sorry guys, I know, um, yes, I didn't realize I've already been going long. I haven't, I've lost track of time. How long have we been going? So I do feel like this is landing with us, and I want to, this is something I think that needs to work into us as a congregation. So I'm go, I'll go. If we need to stop for a few second break, or, we can, but I'm just going to go. You guys still all right? You're right. Good. Number five, we do it privately. First of all, we do it privately. Matthew 18, whenever correction comes, and I know the context of Matthew, Matthew 18 talks about correcting a brother who sinned against you, so some, maybe they haven't necessarily sinned against you, maybe there's just an area of, in their life that needs correction that's not reflecting Jesus, but I would still apply the, the principle of Matthew 18, how we do it. Because actually any, anything in us that's not reflecting Jesus actually is, is sin. So there is an element of flesh involved in that. So Matthew 18, what does it say? Matthew 18, verses 15 to 12. 
guys, you can take this as a template. Whenever you get frustrated with somebody or if you feel like somebody needs to be addressed in something and you can ask yourself, have I done it this way? <laughs> I always ask myself. Some of you will have come to me and moaned about somebody or said something. This way. Have you gone and spoken to them? Because I'm not speaking to them until you have. <laughs> I'm just saying, this is what the Bible says. I'm not telling this is not my rules of the Bible. This is the way the Lord says. So if you're offended with somebody or somebody's done something to annoy you or hurt you, or go and speak to them. The way I'm the way I'm showing you how gently, hum- humbly, in patience and kindness, and love. But first you gotta go and do it. And that also takes guts. That takes that takes boldness sometimes. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17 says, this, If your brother sins against you, and you go and tell him his fault between you and him, if he listens to you, you've gained brother. So you, there's a massive opportunity, a massive moment there for you to settle the dispute, settle the feeling, settle the offense, all in that moment, like that. Bring the likeness of Jesus into the moment there and then, and it's done. And it's done, it's dealt with, it's under the cross, it's, your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west, it's finished. But if your brother doesn't listen to you, if they respond incorrectly, if they respond arrogantly, if they respond hurtfully, then go to a brother, somebody that's close to you, and say, listen, I've spoken to this person, I have shared with them, I don't feel like they're hearing my heart in this. Would you come with me to speak to them? Don't go and tell a whole bunch of people, what that person's done to you. Because actually then you're in danger of slander, and slander is as murder. You're killing the body. You're bringing division. And, and Titus, I think it's Titus 3, so what do you do with a divisive person? You warn them once, you warn them twice, and then you have nothing to do with them. That's what the Bible says. Division is when we go and talk to people about everyone else and what they've done to me. So uh, this is what the Bible says. This is how we address one another. This is how we live together in community. <laughs> it's a pretty clear guidelines as to how we do these things, right? So we need to guard ourselves. We need to be careful. We don't become in danger of slander or become divisive. Because then we actually bring harm to the body and our problem. God loves us individually, but he loves his bride. He wants to protect. He's going to protect his bride. And if you are causing division and breaking down in his bride, woe is be to you. I don't know what he'll do. I'm not going to teach into that at the moment. But I don't, I don't know. I don't want to be on the receiving end of that. Because this is who he's coming back for this. One body. Don't break that body down. Don't hurt that body. James 4 verse 11 says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. And the danger, if we don't apply Matthew 18 in in this process, we become in danger of slandering. We become in danger of of being divisive. And division, divisiveness, it can lead to discipline. It can lead to church discipline. So be careful. Don't do these things. Don't step into that area. Right. When we speak to them, we need to listen to their heart. We need to be very attentive, very careful to be listening to what is on their heart. We need to not go in wanting to win an argument or prove a point. 
We don't try and win arguments. We try to win hearts. So we always want to see a person come through. We want to be in closer unity, in better unity, reflecting the body better after these conversations. Not having one argument or my position has been pushed onto the person. It's about hearts. And sometimes slower is better than trying to forcefully just do something. Because it's about, remember, we're always dealing with hearts in the body. We're always dealing with hearts. Some other points that we can maybe quickly just touch on. Keeping the main thing the main thing. And I think this is a skill that we can learn in when we talk to one another. Is that when we go in with something that the Lord has shown us or feel that we want to speak to somebody about something, we don't go and list a record of wrongs. We, keep the, we just talk about the one thing. Keep the, don't make an into, into an argument about something else and get pulled down a rabbit hole. Keep the main thing the main thing. Don't allow the fluff to distract you. Because it's going to, the enemy's going to come, he's going to try. He's going to try and do whatever he can for that moment not to reflect Jesus and not to actually unity to happen from that moment. There was a problem actually, me and Margo used to have that in our marriage. When we used to argue, we used to find out we were arguing about everything other than what we would started arguing about. Huh? Does that sound familiar to some married couples? So I can check. <laughs> and we, we think we devised a plan. <laughs> My wife is quite a systematic thinker, and she was right. A is the problem. We are not talking about B, C, D, and E right now. We are kept, and we kept on coming back to A until we had resolved what we wanted to talk about. So keep the main thing the main thing. Ask questions. Try and find their hearts in these things. Try and find their perspective. The Bible says we need, it says, it's talking to husbands and wives, but there's a mystery in this unity as well, which actually is reflected by a husband and wife union. It says, dwell in understanding with one another, that so your prayers will not be hindered. There's something of us dwelling in understanding together that our prayers won't be hindered. There's something of us dwelling in understanding together that we can find the person's heart, where they th- what they feel, how and why they responded the way they did, or what they did, why they did it. And then when we begin to look at them through God's eyes, not ours, because our, our eyes are clouded, they're dimly lit, they're broken. We've got broken lenses. we all got broken lenses, guys, every single one of us. Some might have shattered lenses, <laughs> but the reality is we, every single one of us have got a broken lens that we're looking at the situation through is twisted and distorted somehow. There's an element of flesh which is kept into our perception, crept into our perception, which is going to affect us somehow. And we need to put on his lenses and how we see them in the spirit. So let's ask questions. Number eight. Always try to believe the best of. Always try to believe the best of. Make excuses for the person's response if you're dealing with an offense. That might, I'm not only talking about offenses. There's other things here. Like that situation with me in the boat. There was no offense there. But often we, need to, we often address people or talk to people because they have offended us. Because they've done something that's offended us. They've posted something that's offended us. They've, their theology is not exactly what mine is, or their understanding is what mine is. And how can they say, no? no. It's always try and make an excuse. Don't, don't um, uh, excuse the sin, but try and make an excuse for the person's heart. Do you understand what I'm saying in these things? 
Because love covers a multitude of sin. And that, by doing that, is loving that you're covering their sin, actually. You're covering, you're not excusing the sin, but you're trying to cover it. You're trying to see what and how. Number nine, be, pre- be prepared to change your perspective. Because maybe, just maybe, you've got it wrong. Humble. Humble hearts. Don't hold on to your position. Because if you're offended, the Bible says offended brothers is a fortified city. Got a wall around him. If you're offended and you're speaking in offense, be careful because you've fortified your position. You're not going to have, you're not going to hear what they have to say. Hold your position lightly. Number 10, the last way, the way to do it. You guys ever heard of a love sandwich? Who knows what a love sandwich is? No. I see, I know we often joke about the clappuccino, but I hate the term clappuccino. Because every time an elder wants to have coffee with something, they think they want to correct them. I just want to have coffee with somebody like <laughs> No. There is an element to our relationships that every time we get together, we are trying to make us look, form us and shape us and get us to look more like Jesus. We do need to be intentional, but just, man. <laughs> the love sandwich. What's a love sandwich? Guys, don't just slap somebody with the truth. It's like in a sandwich, you've got that ham. Let's use a ham sandwich, ham and cheese. Don't slap them with a ham. <laughs> you know that picture? Quah! <laughs> a wet piece of ham across the face. <laughs> don't do that. Encourage them. Build them up. Show them that they love them, yet you love them. And actually, why are you doing this? Because whenever we do this, the purpose of it is to restore them. Remember that. It's always to restore them. What you see in them, the goodness in them, what God's done through them, how he's used them in your lives, how much you love them. Show them the truth. And carry, even in the truth, if they receive, carry on encouraging the person. Because it's encouraging in the right direction. Instead of slapping somebody and Stop it and go that way. We encourage them in the right direction towards Jesus. The love sandwich. See, these are, I hope it's been a bit practical, right? This. And I hope I'm giving us a few tools to be able to live out the value. Because this is the value that we get discipled into. We disciple people into this value. And then we begin to look more like the kingdom because we look more like Jesus. So I hope. I hope these are, are, are settling in with us and we're beginning to find these things helpful. But one of them, you know, this is the giving side of it. So this is how we speak into people's lives. But the other side is just as important. And on that story about the boat, there was I opened my life up to them. I received it. Just as you're willing to give, you need to be willing to receive. You have to open your lives to correction. You have to say, hey, would you speak into my life? Would you, will you as an individual allow the Lord to come and correct you, even if the person doesn't get it right? You need to be gracious. You need to be spiritually mature. You need to be loving, kind, believing the best of. That this person is actually trying, and if they're failing, they're still, the Lord will still use it for his good. That's the song we were singing just now. You need to listen. If we're receiving, if somebody comes and sits down with us and speaks to us, we need to go, okay, you know what? I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear what the person is doing. We need to be mature about it. Believe the best of their intentions. 
We need to know and understand that even if it's not coming out right, the situation you're currently in is still for your good because it's teaching you how to deal with something. It's teaching you how to be gracious. It's teaching you how to be merciful. It's teaching you how to receive a word and actually ask the Lord, Lord, what are you doing in it? Was there any truth in that? Take the word and submit it to people. Don't go, no, that's not true. I don't know. Go, okay, you know what? I don't see that right now. You either choose to adjust in the moment or you say, if it's quite a strong, big, corrective, directional word, you can take it to your leaders and you can say to them, hey, guys, somebody said this. What do you feel? Is that me? Am I like that? Don't fortify your position. Don't fortify your position because you can. The moment somebody sits and says, listen, can I, I just feel like I want to share something to you. Whoop, walls up. We don't hear those arrows of truth or the sword of truth is like poking against the wall. <laughs> You've taken a sword and poked into the wall. It doesn't get very far. That sword's meant to cut your heart. Remember that. The sword's meant to penetrate. It's meant to separate spirit and soul and flesh and marrow. It's meant to cut in. It's, it's going to hurt a little. Take your hurt and you give it to the Lord. Don't fall apart. Remember I shared that, that picture, again, it's worship, that barak means to kneel, kneel before the king, actually bless, receive. And actually what we're doing is when we're listening, when we're receiving, we're kneeling in surrender and allowing that sword to cut and kill the flesh in us. We, we kneel before the executor, it's a great executioner in a sense, but we rise a king, looking like Jesus, who's the king. See that? You see that picture? That's an incredible picture. How we kneel, we're kneeling before the sword who's going to penetrate, it's going to kill us. What's sown in dishonor, remember, execution is not an honorable death. What's sown in dishonor is raised in glory. The death of the old man is not honorable, but the rising of the new man is glorious. It looks like Jesus. Hey? How powerful is that picture? That's what surrender is. That's what barak is. That's what kneeling before it is. That's what allowing that sword to do that is. It is to worship. Actually, actually it's to worship. To receive a word of correction is to worship Jesus. How cool is that? We, we can stand and we can sing, but to receive a correction from a friend, the faithful of the wounds of a friend, to receive a correction with a good heart is actually worship to Jesus. Yes! <laughs> so, are we making it easy for other people to speak into our lives? Are we? Are we going, hey, you know what? We've spent some time together over this weekend. We went away for a weekend together. Would you speak into my life? Would you speak into my family's life? Would you, what are your thoughts on how I raise my kids? Milani came and stayed with us for a week was earlier this year, last, it was last year already, <clears throat> and uh, something we want to practice, sometimes we forget, but it's something we want to put in practice, we sat around the table, it was the last, last night there, and we said, Milans, we love you and we value you, and I appreciate your perspective in our lives, will you speak into our life, how can you speak into our life that will make us look more like Jesus, because ultimately that's what we want to do, that ultimately that's our goal, and Milani said, ah, I've had a lack of time with you guys, but there was one thing it was something that was the way we were handling the children when we were busy with people the whole time. 
and it was beginning to affect Anya, actually, just in the way she was responding, and she began to play up a little bit. She had noticed something in this. And now, Milani's not married. She doesn't have kids. So what right? I could have said, what right do, what do you know about kids? No, no, no. What, what right did Paul have to preach into marriage? He was single. The Spirit of the Lord. She doesn't need experience. She's qualified in the Spirit. And if I open my heart and I respond, I can actually hear what she's saying. She didn't even have a solution for me. She just, I said, I just saw something there. And I don't know how you can fix it, actually. But there's something there that I think you can do better. You need to go to Jesus and ask him how. She could have given me the hands. She didn't actually have them. So maybe she... Maybe somebody would have had experience. Maybe my brother and his wife, the incredible parents, had seen, if they had seen a similar thing, could have helped me, give me handles. She couldn't. She said, you need to go to the Lord and find them. And I did, and we did, actually. And there was much fruit in that. But I could have not had that conversation with her, and I could have also held, held back my side and said, listen, thanks, but no thanks. And I think those, are we making it easy for people to speak into our lives? We're being in Brazil now. We stayed with a couple for three weeks, one of the couples in eldership there, and I was in the car with them on the way, and I realized, I said to him, I said, his name's Joe. I said, hey, Joe. I said, if we get to the end of this three weeks, and we're not able to, and we're not looking a little bit more like Jesus, we've, we've missed something. So I said, and I, I, I don't know if it's a value with them. You've got to be in value with us. So I said, by the end of these three weeks, I said, let's sit down and have a conversation. I kind of gave him a little warm, warm, warm up. Just in case there's something I see. I said, let's sit down in three weeks' time or in two weeks' time. Let's sit down and chat about just if there are any areas in our life that we can look and reflect more, more of Jesus. Because ultimately, that's what we want to do. And it's for our, we should be excited about these moments. And he's like, yes, let's do that. On the last night, we sat around the table. And there wasn't much, actually. A lovely family. Amazing, incredible family. And we could actually just encourage one another. Hey, listen, I feel like... You really, you guys are doing this. And we could speak around things. They had been in a busy season as well. So it's not a necessary correction that's needed. It's, hey, we see you've been in a busy season and God's bringing you out of the season. So you maybe haven't been able to be 100% as present as you wanted to be, but God's bringing you into more so you can be. And they see it and they're like, yes, we know. That's how we feel. So that, even that, even that word is gentle correction, gentle pointing towards Jesus instead of going, hey, you guys, where are you? It's the same thing, actually. You're saying the same thing. Are we making it easy for people? Because some of us may feel called to lead God's people, but we won't actually walk in that because we won't allow ourselves to be shaped and changed into what He wants us to be. That, does that make sense? And, and I think that's part of even the, the call today, the response to how we respond well to this word. How do we respond to, to the Lord speaking to us in this? Because that's where the change happens. Does it make sense? Because some of us might even have leadership on our, on our lives, maybe desire to lead, maybe we, but we won't walk in those things because we're not allowing people to shape us and, and show up in us.